This is the FBCG Live podcast with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. Today's message is entitled, Obedience. We must examine components and areas of our lives where we are not being obedient to the Holy Spirit. Wherever you're joining us from, we pray this message encourages and empowers you in your daily walk with God. All right, praise God. Okay, we're going to dive into the topic for tonight. We're going to talk about being obedient, obedience. I know that's a curse word for some people. And I know some of you probably already switched the channel, but I want to tell you, for you to experience a new thing from God is going to require a level of obedience in your life. I don't know what God is saying to you and how he's challenging you and what he's directing you to do, but here's what I do know. I know for us to experience the absolute powerful presence of God and power of God and him working miracles on our behalf, that there has to be a component of obedience in our life. And that's what tonight is about. It is about walking in obedience. I have a ton of scriptures. I'm probably not going to get to read. I'm not going to read all of them, but please jot them down. And I want to encourage you to read them when you have an opportunity. Because uh, it's, it's, it's the word of the Lord that God has given to me for me to share with you. And I know he's talking to somebody today about what he wants to achieve and what he wants to accomplish. So I guess I want to start off tonight by taking a moment and talking about disobedience. I want to spend a moment and highlight some people who didn't obey God and who didn't follow his, his guidance and his word and his instructions. And they suffered consequences. That's why I want to spend a moment and talk about the consequences of people who did not obey what God told them to do. And we want to start off at the very outset in in Genesis chapter three, where Adam and Eve didn't obey God. Adam and Eve chapter three gives us the layout. God gave them clear instructions of what they were supposed to do where they were to, what, what their responsibilities were, and God gave them limitations, boundaries. The truth of the matter is all of us have boundaries. We have limitations. We can't just go and do whatever it is we want to do. God gives us limitations, and pride, human pride, doesn't want limitations. Human selfishness wants to do what humans want to do, but God says, no, I've established some boundaries. And, and Adam and Eve were given boundaries. And, and God gave them to Adam. Adam gave them to Eve. And together, they were supposed to ensure that they followed those boundaries that God gave them. But unfortunately, the devil started talking to Eve. And Eve talked to her husband. And both of them together disobeyed God. Adam was standing right there when the devil was talking to Eve. And Eve made the suggestion. And in fact, Eve and Adam failed and disobeyed God. And uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 19 says, just jot that verse down. I have Romans 5 verses 12 through 19 up on the screen for you. But verse 19 says that one man brought, um, uh, one man disobeyed God and brought sin into the world. One man, one man made the choice. Let me read that to you real quickly. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19 uh, gives us, again, the, you know, the, the, the challenge and the, the devastation that comes from even one man disobeying God. Ver Romans 5.19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Many. We became sinners by one man's choice. Adam's choice passed down the seed of disobedience upon all of us. 
And so we're all sinners. We all disobey. But here's what the hope of verse 19 says. So also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. One man chose to do the right thing and obey God and do what God assigned him to do. And it brought righteousness and made us righteous. When Jesus obeyed God and died on the cross, his obedience to God's will for his life helped you and I to be able to have a personal relationship with God. His, this one man's obedience. And, and I, I, I want to press you to say that many of you make the right choice and do the right thing. Your obedience can bring blessings and favor upon your marriage, upon your family, your children for generations to come. And so uh, one man brought that, that tragic, horrible choice that he made. And this was also uh, located when, when the Bible talks about King Saul, 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel 15, Saul is the king of Israel. He's the leader of the nation. And God gives them instructions as they are conquering territory and how they're defeating uh, their enemies. And God tells Saul on one occasion, I want you to utterly destroy everything in this particular camp with this particular people. I want you to destroy them all. And when Saul got there, he instead of destroying everything, unfortunately, he made the tragic decision and choice not not to do what it is that God told him to do. And when when God sent the prophet to his house to say, uh, you know, you didn't do everything I told you to do. You didn't follow my instructions. I told you to destroy everything, but you you kept everything. You kept stuff that you shouldn't have kept. And and uh, it angered God. It frustrated God. Matter of fact, God God says you get a chance to read just first first Samuel first chapter chapter fifteen. God says to the prophet Samuel, He said, "I regret making him king. I'm sorry that I gave him that opportunity because he hasn't obeyed me." So so verse. When, when, uh, when God sends the prophet Samuel to go and talk to Saul, he says, you haven't obeyed God. And Saul came up with all of these excuses, just like so many of you come up with excuses why you didn't do what it is God told you to do. Why you have, somehow the enemy has made you feel as though you are justified in the choices that you've made and the behavior that you've exhibited. And the decisions that you've yielded to. We think we can, we can justify it. And Saul tried to justify it. And it is in verse 23. 1 Samuel 15, 23. That the prophet says this to, to the king. He says, for rebellion is has the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is has iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. He, is also, he also has rejected you from being king. Wow. Matter of fact, let me read verse 22, because here's what God says to, to, to through Samuel to Saul, that does the Lord has the Lord his great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices has in obeying the voice of the Lord. In other words, he said what God wants more than anything else is your obedience to him. Behold, he says to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of lambs. God's not interested in your sacrifices and your offerings if you don't obey what he told you to do. To obey is better than any sacrifice you give God. I've had people tell me, you know, I pay my tithes. I go to church. Yeah, but are you obedient to God? What part of your life 
is negating the favor that would come with those areas of disobedience. What are you doing and where are you, where are you hanging out and what are you practicing and what's that you've embraced that you should not, that is in fact affecting and destroying God's ability to give you the favor that he wants you to give. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 23, God says, I rejected you from being king because you didn't obey my clear instructions. I'm, I'm, I am rejecting you from being the king. He lost his kingship. And I, and I feel that like there's a lot of people who are losing out on what God has for them just because they refuse to be obedient. And that was Saul's problem. They one just Saul, hold up. Here's another, here's another act of disobedience. Moses in chapter 20. Uh, Numbers chapter 20. Numbers chapter 20. Moses didn't obey God. Let's, let me read that to you real quick. I'm sorry I don't have the, script, the scriptures up for you tonight. Uh, we had them uh, listed, but we, you couldn't see them. And so I have to apologize to you all for that. But please jot them down and read them when you get an opportunity. Numbers chapter, seven, uh, chapter 20 verses 7 through 12. Listen to this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Listen to these instructions. Speak to the rock before their eyes. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. They were out in the wilderness and they were thirsty. And God gave Moses clear instructions. Speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water. Thus, you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drinks to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand. Verse 11. Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with the rod. And water came out abundantly and the congregation and their animals drank. <coughs> Excuse me. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Here's here's the word from God to Moses, because you didn't do exactly what I told you to do. I told you to speak to the rock. You disobeyed and struck the rock with the rod. That's not what I told you to do, Moses. I wanted to demonstrate the power of speaking the word. I wanted them to understand it wasn't in their actions. It wasn't they, they're not going to get life from what they do. They're going to get life from what they believe and what they say. But no, Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, unfortunately, he struck the rock and it cost him his ability to be able to lead the children into the land, into the promised land. And, and that's and, and, and this is a lesson for all of us today. God, want, he's got miracles in front of us in store for us and breakthroughs and answers. God wants to do the supernatural for you. And I'm persuaded I, and I know it's true. I know this is the way God operates. And when we are obedient to him and we submit to his will for our life, he has miracles in store for us and God wanted to use Moses and he chose not to be obedient and he missed out on crossing over into the promised land. And I'm wondering how many of you today are missing out because you're in some area of your life, some dimension of something God has told you to do, you haven't done. Those are three key examples, Adam and Eve, Saul and Moses. And we can find a ton of other examples in scripture. 
of people who dishonored God and didn't do what God told them to do. And they ended up suffering the consequences. So my, my encouragement to you today is let's walk in obedience. Let's walk through the specifics of being obedient to God and following what it is he tells us to do. That's, that's, what, that's what I feel the Lord challenging us to do and to say. And that's what, that's what my encouragement to you. This is what I want to press you for and encourage you tonight to examine components and areas of your life that you're not being obedient to God. What might it be? What might be the thing that's holding up God's incredible favor and blessings in your life? Obedience is the key. As a matter of fact, you'll find patterns through the scriptures that God always has conditions. And that condition is primarily that we're obedient to him. We're obeying what he tells us to do. Here's, I got 10 points for you today. Here's the number one. Here's my first one. It's, it's first of all, accepting no has a final answer. If there's something that God tells you no on, accept that and embrace that. Don't apologize. Don't, don't, don't justify doing something differently. But when God gives you a word and a, 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 a direction of something, be willing to actually follow what it is God's telling you to do. And, and in, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 9, it says this. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, <coughs> a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Uh, and he said to me, um, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ might rest, rest upon me. Here's what he's saying. He's saying I had, a, I had an issue in my life that I wanted God to change. And I begged him. He said, I asked the Lord multiple times that this thorn in my flesh that was given to me, uh, I pleaded with the Lord, verse 8, three times that it might depart from me, that he'd take it away. But the Lord said, no, I'm not going to take it away. Now, now, what would you do? <laughs> Some of us, if God told you, you know, to, that, that his answer to your thing is no, you would figure out a way to still go out and do it. You'd figure out a way to still go out and buy it. Even if God said no, you'd figure out a way to still be in the in the chase, be in the be in the deal. Fix it up. You'd figure it out rather than when, when God said, I, my grace is sufficient. I've given you everything you need to handle this thing that has is buffeting you. As a matter of fact, God told him, I put it there to keep you humble. I allowed it to be in your life to present a level of humility, Paul, in your life. So that uh, you wouldn't get arrogant and proud and, and exalted above measure beyond what you're capable. But the Lord said, my grace is sufficient and my strength, I'm, my, I, I am, my strength is made perfect in your weakest points. And so that's why I've allowed it to be there. Some of you got some things in your life that you've been asking God for, but he said no. Or maybe he said not yet. Or maybe he said not now. But learn to accept it. Just because you got a credit card don't mean you should go and charge it and get it. 
You got to learn to accept God's answer. Be obedient to what God says. I've learned that if God wants me to have something, he's more than capable in his time of providing it for me. And if he doesn't provide it, then there's a reason why he has not provided it for me. So that, that, that's the key. That's another thing. Accept God's no has an answer, his final answer for you until he says otherwise. Don't circumvent his word. Don't circumvent his circumstances and what he's trying to do. Here's number two. I got 10 things and I'll be finished. And then I'll take questions. Whatever God tells you to do, act immediately. Do it right away. Don't push it off into the background. Act immediately. No delays, no objections, no excuses. <clears throat> don't do it. Don't, you know, that's one of my big problems with one of my kids. I won't call Johnny by name, John Jr., but he, when I tell him to do something, he wants to do it when he feels like doing it. I don't know if y'all got kids like that. I got children like that. But I, I have to, I'm trying to teach him that when your father makes a, uh, give you some instructions, it's not a suggestion. It's not something for you to do when you get around to it, when time works out for you. No, when I ask you to do something, I want it done right away. And that's the way God wants us to be. Do it right away. And I believe that when God has his children, his sons and daughters, who, who are those who are willing to be obedient to him immediately, when he can have that kind of confidence in you, that he says, you know, when I tell them something, they're going to they gonna hop on it. Now, there was a time in John Jr.'s life that when I called on him, he'd come running, yes, Dad, yes. What can I do for you, Dad? But somehow another teenage years and adulthood or semi-adulthood, he ain't totally adult yet, even though he got a job, he ain't paying no rent yet. Uh, somehow that makes them feel like they can do it when they get around to it. But the God we serve is looking for sons and daughters who will have an attitude to say, yes, Father. Yes, Lord, right away. I'll do whatever I can to make it, make it exactly what you want. And, and, and you know what? When you're like that, when you have that attitude and that posture with God, God makes note of it. He sees it. He recognizes it. In, in Genesis chapter 12, these verses I gave you. In Genesis chapter 12, God gave Abraham uh, instructions to leave where he was and go to a place that he didn't even know where he was going. God just said, go. And he, he immediately, he packed up his stuff with his family and left and departed. He didn't even know where he was going, but he went. That's the kind of obedience God wants from us. That we are, we are instantly and immediately responding. In Genesis 26, Isaac did the same thing. He, he dwelt in Gerar and God instructed Isaac to leave Gerar and go elsewhere. And again, he did it exactly what God told him to do. There was a famine in the land, it says in verse 1. There was a famine in the land. Uh, besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. He went there uh, and uh, go ahead to the next verse. And then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land of which I shall tell you. He didn't know where he was going. Dwell in this land and I will be with you and bless you for to you and your descendants. I give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to your father, to Abraham, your father. And I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands and in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, 
my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. I love that because they're disobedient. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. He did exactly, he did just like Abraham did. He honored and obeyed God. And that's the thing that God's looking for is our obedience to his instructions. And when you are, when you are a person of obedience, you, you will get the favor and blessings of God. I, I, I don't know who I'm talking to, but whoever you is, it's a challenge from God for you to be obedient to him. And, and not only uh, to, to obey him, but cheerfully follow his instructions, cheerfully respond to his request. Do it with joy. Do it with delight. Do it with excitement. Be thrilled about it. Be happy. If you've got an attitude about it, you've got, you got the wrong deal. Here's with 1 Peter 2. Now, I'm going to read this 1 Peter 2, verses 13 through 20. It's a little lengthy, but hang with me because I want to point out a couple things in this. Here's what verse 13 says, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. Therefore, submit yourselves or be obedient to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king has supreme or to governors, has to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God. Y'all see that? This is the will of God for us to listen to the authorities in our lives. Unless they're asking us to do something illegal, immoral, unethical, unscriptural. I'll talk about that more next week. But this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Anybody who doesn't listen to the authorities, the Bible says, are foolish. But yet you do it as free. Yet not using liberty has a cloak for vice, but has bond servants of God. Uh, they see you, you're a bond servant of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Servants, verse 18, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle. Look at this, listen to this, servants, employers, employees, I'm sorry. Be submissive to your employers with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. Have an attitude of being submitted to those who don't always treat you the right way, but also, it says, to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, the scripture says. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. When you do what's asked, when you follow the instructions, this is commendable before God. This is the way that God is honored. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me look at that one too real quick. Let me, give me just a moment to uh, uh, look at Ephesians chapter 6 because it also says this bondservant or employers, employees, be obedient to those who are your, your masters or your boss according to the flesh. With fear and trembling in sincerity of heart, has to Christ, not with our servants, has men pleases, but has bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, from the heart. This is the thing I want you to see about this particular passage is that this is done from the heart, that we are taking our stand and our posture and our position in this regard and we're doing it from the heart and we're doing it with the right attitude, uh, with the right spirit, uh, with the right mentality. Uh, with goodwill doing service has to the Lord, not to men. That's what the scripture says. We're doing this unto God, unto the Lord. That's who we do it to. So, we, 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 you know, some of y'all, 
have attitudes with your boss and you're, you're resisting it. You don't do stuff because you don't like your boss or you're resisting your boss. And, and, and the scripture's teaching us we don't do this as unto a human. We're doing this as unto God. Uh, you don't, you don't uh, resist or, or fall back and hold back or have the, an attitude that you're not going to give your best or your all because you don't like your boss or because they're not treating you right. Promotion doesn't come from human beings. Y'all need to understand that God is the one that elevates and promotes. And no human being can stop you from being promoted. No human being. If God has determined that he wants to promote you, nobody can stop it, can stop what God wants to do. And I believe God is looking and watching and observing um, to see who he can bless and who he can favor. He wants to do that. God wants to do that. So we want to do what we do. Verse 7 says, uh, with goodwill doing service has to the Lord and not to men. We're not doing it uh, unto men, but we're doing it unto God. So cheerfully respond to the request that's given to you, the direction, both from people, because uh, um, God is the one who rules and guides. I'm going to talk about that in a few moments. But you're ultimately doing it under the Lord. That's point three. Let me go to number four. Number four says, find ways to overcome any obstacle in your way. If God tells you to do something, find ways that you have the capability and the ability to do it. Uh, and don't let negative thinking, don't let um, uh, people saying it can't be done. If God, tell, if God tells you to do something, look for ways to get it done. One of the things I've had, I've had to teach our staff here today is rather than coming to, to leadership with all of the reasons why it can't be done, let's fi- if, if God gives us direction to do something, let's figure out a way that it can be done. Let's figure out what needs to be to happen to make it happen. And, and I'm, I'm finding out that, that the God we serve, if you have the mentality and the heart to want to do it, especially if it's, if it's a command from God, he will, he will help you get it done. He'll work it out. He'll, he'll perform miracles for you just to help you accomplish that. And we have, again, we have uh, uh, scriptures to, to tell us that in uh, Genesis chapter 6, verses 11. I'm not going to read verses 11 through 22. Read it when you get an opportunity. But, but God gave Noah an assignment to build an ark because it was going to rain. And uh, he built the ark. I don't, I don't think he'd ever built an ark before. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he figured out a way how, how to do it. He figured a way how to make it happen. And he built the ark. Uh, he, he completed the assignment of what God gave him to do. God gave him the specifics of how to build it. And rather than him saying, I don't have enough people, he could have thought of a, a lot of reasons not to build the ark. He could have thought of it ain't never rained before. But he didn't let those excuses stop him from achieving and accomplishing what the Lord gave him to do. And, and my, my push to you today is when God tells you to do something, be obedient and, and don't, it might take you a long time, but don't, don't let excuses keep you from following the commands of the Lord. In Numbers chapter 32, jot, that, jot this down, Numbers 32 verses 10 through 12, uh, when the children of Israel were going Leaving when they left Egypt on, on their way to the promised land, they got to a, a place called Kadesh Barnea and they sent out spies to check out the promised land. They came back in a certain period of time 
And when they came back, they sent out 12 spies. When the 12 spies came back, 10 of the spies said, we can't. The giants in that land. And they thought of all of the reasons why they shouldn't do it. They said, yep, it flows with milk and honey. And it's got all the stuff that God said it has. But there's also some giants in that land and we cannot overtake them. But two of the fellas, Joshua and Caleb, the only two of the 12 spies that went out to check out the land, the only two to come back and by faith said, yes, but God is on our side. We can take it. We should move forward. We can overcome. We have God on our side. They were people of faith and they were willing to be obedient to God. And they didn't let the, let the fact that there were other people in the land deter their faith to believe that God can make it happen. And that's the same thing God wants for you and me. Not to allow uh, other people's lack of belief and confidence and lack of willing to be obedient to God. Don't let that stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And when it's all said and done, God didn't let any of those people who doubted God go into the promised land. Only from the original crew was Joshua and Caleb, the two who had faith when, it, when they first, the spies first went in. Those two believed that they could take it. And God saw to it that those two crossed over into the promised land. That's that's amazing to me. Everybody else died. They, they had a thousand reasons and it took them 40 years because of their lack of belief in God. I think the spies went out and came back in like six weeks, some, some relatively short period of time that they went out and came back and, and they, could have, they could have traveled all the way there in six weeks. They could have made it. But because of their lack of faith and their lack of belief and, and, and not willing to uh, be obedient to God. Some of you will allow the opinions of people. You will allow the logic of people. You will allow so many things to stop you from being obedient to the thing that the Lord has instructed you to do. And we want you to be people of faith. And I want to challenge you to, to try to figure out ways to overcome any obstacles that come your way. Here's number five. I want to tell you number five is you got to fulfill Little commands as well as big ones. Be obedient to the little things. Again, that's how this whole thing gets started. God knows he can trust you with the big because he's watched how you handled the little. He knows that you can handle the bigger things because he sees how you can handle the little. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10 says this. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. So my point here today is be faithful and obedient in the little commands and God knows he can trust you with the big ones. Our church took in a lot of money last year. We, God bless us in supernatural ways because he watched how we managed what he gave us 30 years ago. He watched how we managed it, took care and were careful with spending the resources we gave us 30 years ago. So he noted today he can trust us with a whole lot more. He watches how I manage my personal finances to know that I handled a little bit of finances that I have personally to know he can trust me with the great big finances that our church has. And God wants to do it again. I'm trying to be an example and lay down some truth to you today that I know how God operates and I know how he functions and I know what he wants to do. I know he's measuring and watching what you do. Are you spending money on stuff that you don't need? That's not healthy. Are you 
subscribing to pornography? Are you buying pornographic books? Are you uh, uh, gambling? Are you drinking? You know, I could go on and on and down those lists of God watching you to see how faithful you are in the little. And it is from that that he knows he can trust you with much. Here's number six, following all the directions the first time. Following all the directions the first time. Now jot this, this verse down, but I'm going to tell you the story, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. Let me talk you through this for a moment. I want you to, to get this story. God uh, gives, David gets an assignment to go and get the Ark of the Covenant and to bring it back to Jerusalem. It has, it has ended up in a place it should be, and he has the responsibility and the assignment of going and getting the Ark of Covenant and bringing it back to Jerusalem where it belongs. So he goes and he gets it, and he carries it, and matter of fact, they, they go just a few feet, and, and almost instantly one of the, one of the soldiers is killed when he touches the ark. He's carrying the, they're carrying the ark and he sees it about to fall and he does what any normal person would do. He sees it leaning over and he reaches up to stop it from falling and he instantly dies. And David leaves it right where it was, goes back home to try to figure out, you know, I better treat this with a little more carefulness. And, and here's what David discovers. Here's why this young man lost his life. Here's why David wasn't able to bring it home the first time. Because the instructions that were given to, to the people of God, to Israel, about how the ark was to be handled and how it was to be moved and how it was to be uh, managed was not being followed. David had other people doing it when God's instructions to them was clearly this. Only priests are to handle the ark of the covenant. Only priests but instead of him having priests on there, he had gotten some, some, some soldiers to carry it. He thought it didn't make a big deal. He minimized the instructions that God gave him. And he didn't take it to heart the way God wants him to take it to heart. God wants us to do every, every the little commands as well as the big ones. But he also wants us to follow the instructions exactly the way he tells us to do it the first time. Not only was it only supposed to be priests, but they were also supposed to be carried on poles. Uh, jot these verses down for those who are taking good notes. Numbers chapter 4, verses 15 through 20. Just jot it down. Numbers 4, 15 through 20 were the instructions that the priesthood was supposed to carry it. <clears throat> and uh, Exodus 25, verses 12 through 15 uh, talks about the ark was to be carried on poles. And they weren't carrying it on a pole. They were carrying it on a cart. David was, was carrying it the Ark of the Covenant on a cart and not on poles as instructions had been given. And so when he got back and realized that he hadn't done the exact instructions that God gave him to do, he went back, got himself together and went back and got the Ark of the Covenant. Matter of fact, I love this story because David handles it with priests, puts it on a pole, and the Bible says they walk six paces. I had to preach on this one day again. They walked six paces 
And after they went six paces, however far that was, six steps, six miles, I don't know how long it was, but whatever six paces was, he stopped and they shouted. They hadn't hadn't gotten back home yet. They hadn't gotten back to Jerusalem yet. But he knew then because nothing happened and nobody died and nothing, it didn't kill over. He knew he was going to be able to carry it all the way back home now because he was being obedient to God. And And what I love about that story is he knew that now he had done it the way God had instructed him to do it. And he knew he was going to be able to bring it back home. And I'm, I'm telling you, uh, when you obey God, you don't have to wait till the battle is over. You don't have to wait till you get all the way back home. You can go ahead and shout while you're even in the process. That's one of the things I've learned. I've learned to shout and give God the praise when I know I'm doing it right. And I know I'm following his instructions. I know he's going to work it out. I go ahead and shout now. They walk six paces and they shout it. But the key here is they were following the instructions. And I'm telling you today, do it the right way the first time. When you pay your tithes, pay the whole thing. Don't do it. Don't do a net. And then try to figure out why everything ain't going your way and stuff still breaking down. Follow the instructions all the way. When God tells you to go, when God tells you to go and apologize to somebody, apologize fully. Don't don't be pride and arrogant. Go, go and say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? All the way. Dive into the deep end of the apologi- apologetic, the, to the apology pool. Don't, don't say, if I did something wrong, if I offended you. No. Be obedient. When God tells you to apologize, apologize fully. Whatever God tells you to do it the right and the complete way the first time. Whew, man. Okay, let me roll on. Y'all, y'all, I could be here on this the rest of the night. Here's number seven. Follow instructions first and understand later. Follow instructions first and understand later. I think one of the huge mistakes a lot of people make is they want to understand all the way. They, they want clarity and an understanding all the way. I'm not going to read all these 21 verses to you, but I'm going to tell you what the story is about. Uh, while I'm challenging you to read this when you get an opportunity, Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. One of my, I don't have favorite scriptures, but if I did, this is one of the stories that I love. This is a time when God tells the children of Israel to march around the walls of Jericho. Uh, they were trying to invade Jericho, but the gates were locked and shut, and the children of Israel couldn't get in. Because the gate was locked and closed and they couldn't get in. So God told him, here's what you do. Walk around the walls of Jericho one time each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, march around seven times. And after you march around the seventh time, after you finish marching around the seventh time, have the priest blow the trumpet and have the people shout. That didn't make sense. God gave him instructions that didn't make sense in the logical human understanding thing. It just just didn't make sense. But the truth of the matter is he obeyed God and did what God told him to do. And that's what they did. For six days, they marched around one time each day for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around seven times. The priest blew the trumpet and the people shouted and the walls came tumbling down because he obeyed God even when he was told to do some things that he didn't understand. And I surmise to a whole lot of us today, there are things that God has instructed us to do that we don't understand. We don't like. Maybe we don't want to understand. 
But my instructions to you and my challenge to you today, this is not a question. God's not asking us to understand. He's asking us to trust and obey. Trust and obey. And then leave the, leave the results to him. Leave it up to God to work it out. He will. He has shown me and demonstrated to me he's more than capable of working it out. Whatever we're facing and whatever you're facing, he's more than capable of working it out. Read that Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 21 when you get an opportunity. I'm, I'm taking my time like I got all day here, but I'm trying to, uh, I need to hurry up. So if you've got questions, I'll be able to take any questions and just in case somebody has some questions. I hope I'm being clear with you and giving you clarity about this, about this whole, about these principles and this truth here today. Uh, here's number eight, submit to your authorities. Here's another tough thing that people have difficulty in doing is submitting to the authorities in their life. And as long as those authorities are not asking you to do something illegal, immoral, unethical, or, or unscriptural, you should be submitted to the will and to the direction of your authorities. I know you know better. I know you're smarter than they are. But that's one of the key components of being obedient. I know y'all have heard me talk about this a million times. Because it's one of the key elements of my life. It's one of the key principles that has provided guidance to my life. For me to be in the perfect will of God is when I submitted to the authorities that God put in my life. Proverbs 21 and 1 says that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. He, meaning God. God turns their heart where he wants it to go. And I trust that verse. I, I, I lean on that passage. That's a passage that I, I lean on for my life to know that, that uh, and I teach this over and over again, that you can trust God. to. Uh, he knows that I'm trusting him to give me direction through the authorities in my life. So submit to the authorities. Here's Romans chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, that also talks about um, uh, being submitted to the authorities in your life. And I, let me just, I wasn't going to read that one, but let me go ahead and just, uh, read that one very quickly because I, I want y'all to get the just and the full uh, uh, piece of this. Here's uh, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 2. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So they, got, you, you, uh, they can't even get in that place unless God puts them there. Therefore, listen to verse 2. Whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. When you disobey your authorities, you're resisting God. That's what the scripture says. I didn't make that. That, that Bible was here when I got here. And then, let me say this too. I, I, I want to throw this thing into I, I just want to spend a few moments. Uh, I think it's important that people consult their authorities in their life before they make life-altering decisions. I think it's critical and important. I think uh, I've learned in my life when I watch people uh, make decisions, and some of them make, a lot of people make decisions and they never even consult the authorities in their life. And I've seen on so many occasions people make choices and never even consult the authorities and then find themselves in troubled situations. Ooh, boy, I, I wish I could emblazon that on a plaque and, and post it somewhere. 
I've had a lot of people come and inform me. They, never, they didn't ask me. They didn't seek what my heart was about their decisions or choices. And I've seen them make horrific decisions. And I tell you, when somebody comes to me and they're informing me, I don't try to tell them they should have you know, asked first or sought because this is how God works. I didn't ask them as their pastor. If they, if they make the choice or decision that they don't, they don't want my counsel, they don't want how God has governed their pastor's heart, I release them to go and, and trust that things work out for them. But I'm telling you today, y'all hear me today, that it's important that you go through and check how God has directed the heart of your authorities. That's what this Bible teaches. That's This is, again, another one of those verses that's a significant verse that I want you to, you know, if you don't have this ver these verses, these two verses uh, emblazoned somewhere on your, uh, in your Bible, please do. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Go to verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable for you. That would be unprofitable for you. So I, uh, I want to I challenge you today. Um, I want to encourage you. I want to uh, you know, tell you how important it is that you need to do that. I want to tell you how important that is. It is significant and important. Here's number nine. Uh, I'm almost finished. Put all your energies into the task. And this kind of falls back on what I said a little bit earlier about, uh, uh, about uh, putting all of your heart into it, but also all of your energies into it. Um, not no, not half-hearted, not with attitude, not holding back uh, about it, but do all that you do, the Bible says, wholeheartedly. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3. Right? I'm not going to read these verses. Just jot them down. Colossians 3, 17 and 23 through 25. Jot these verses down. Second Chronicles. Leave that up there for a few minutes so they can uh, zoom in, uh, give them the full thing so they have time to, to read and jot it down. Because sometimes y'all go a little fast. Second Chronicles 31, verses 20 through 21. Uh, and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. Jot those verses down. Read them. And, and also jot this one down. I didn't, it's not up on the screen, but Ecclesiastes 9.10. All of these verses talk about giving it, giving God and doing what it is that you do with all of your might and with all of your heart. Do it. Now, finally, let me give you this final point 10 and then I'll be finished. Obedience is based on what is true and right. I'm not telling you to be obedient to somebody telling you to do something that's wrong. Don't hear me. Don't, please don't hear me say that. It's always based on what's true and what's right to do. Acts chapter five, verse 29 says we ought to obey God rather than men. When they gave the apostles uh, and told them they couldn't preach anymore, Peter said and answered them and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. We're not we're not going to submit to what you're asking because it's not right. We always want to do what's right before God. And if somebody asks you to do something that's not right and it's not in harmony with the will of the Lord, I'm going to teach you next week how to handle that. What do you do when you've, when you've, been, when you've been told or requested or challenged to do something that's not acceptable to God? 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you how to, what are the steps you should take in that regard. Okay? So here's my challenge to you. I, wanna, I started off at the start of this with this, and I want to conclude. And then I'm going to take a couple questions. I'm try, still trying to be finished by 8 o'clock. But here's a, here's a, here's a few. Uh, here's the ultimate thing I'm saying to you today. Examine your life. And what is it that God has told you to do that you haven't done? What is his, what is his instruction? By the way, when God tells you to do something, it's not a suggestion. It's not a suggestion. When God speaks, it's a command. And by being his child, we're called to be obedient to him. And so his call to you is to be obedient to him and obey him. Okay? I do have a number of questions. Let me take a couple of them. How do we know if God is telling us no rather than wait or not yet? How do we know? Well, here's one thing for sure. If God wants you to do something, he is going to make it possible for it to be done. He will make provisions for you. This is one of the ways you know when God wants it done. He provides. Where God gives vision, he gives provision. So if, if there's no provision, then it's not time. And, I, and I'm challenged because people will circumvent the process and go around God's restrictions or things that God hindered and, and to, to make it happen. If God wants you to, if he wants you to have it and he wants it done, he will make provision. He will make provisions. Okay. Uh, here's another question. How do you know when God is talking to you? Another good question. God talks to us in a variety of ways. I would encourage you to call the bookstore or go online to our bookstore and get my series on how to hear the voice of God. There are 10 different ways God speaks and it'll tell you exactly how God speaks. And you got you to gotta start looking for the ways that God communicates with us. But in the meantime, here's one way you can be sure that he speaks is always through his word. And if you can find a scripture verse that speaks and give uh, uh, instructions for us, you can always trust God to follow that. And if you have any questions about whether it's accurate, get with a seasoned believer who can tell you exactly whether what you're, the, way you the way you are interpreting the scriptures uh, is right. But you can always trust that. Here's another question. You said act immediately when God tells you to do something. If you waited, will God give you that opportunity to act on what he told you to do? Yes, God is a God of another chance. <laughs> he will give you another chance. But I think it's also a matter of your level of maturity. And I think if God told me to do something because I know better, God holds me to a higher level of accountability because I know. I know his voice. When I was a younger person and younger in my faith and didn't know or had doubts or questions, God dealt with me based on where I was at that point. But when you've been saved for 10 years, 15 years, by this point, you should know how he talks and communicates. And there's some things he clearly speaks to us in his word to do. And you know it's the right thing to do. Do it. Yeah, so do it. What do you do if someone has to make a decision that affects you but refuses to be obedient to what God says? So you can't control what somebody else does. What you can do is be obedient in the areas that you can be obedient. So, so you just do your part. You do what you're supposed to do. You be obedient to God based on what you have the capacity to do. I wish I knew a little bit more about what you were saying, but the bottom line is in the area, in the circumstance of your life where you can be obedient, you be obedient and God will always take care of you because you're obedient to him.
You've been listening to FBCG Live with Pastor John K. Jenkins Sr. When the Lord tells us to do something, it's not a suggestion, but a command. If you've been blessed by this message and would like to help us reach more people through this ministry, please click the link in the podcast description or visit our website, fbcglenarden.org slash give to donate. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you'll subscribe so that you'll never miss an episode. Be sure to tune in next week.